Chapter Ten of Dyke Darrell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dyke Darrell, the Railroad Detective, or The Crime of the Midnight Express, by Frank Pinkerton. Chapter Ten, The Black Hollow. What was it? Who was it? Cried Harper Elliston, seizing the arm of Dyke Darrell and penetrating him with a keen glance. It does not matter. It does. I have had a suspicion. Well, he uttered the name of Harry Bernard. How could you guess that? Because I have felt it in my bones, answered the tall New Yorker. Harry Bernard acted queerly before he left Woodburg the last time, and I have since arrived at the conclusion that he was engaged in some unlawful work. Well, I never entertained such a suspicion, was all the detective vouchsafed in reply. Then he glanced at the man on the ground. See, the fellow is dying. It was true. Sam Swart, the miserable outlaw, was swiftly passing away. Half an hour later, when Elliston and the detective returned to their buggy, the would be murderer of Dyke Darrell lay cold in death under the farmer's shed. A serious expression pervaded the face of Dyke Darrell, and he scarcely spoke during the drive back to town. Did you find your man? queried the landlord, when our friends returned. Yes. Elliston entered into an explanation, while Dyke Darrell went up to his room and threw himself into a chair in a thoughtful attitude. His brow became corrugated, and it was evident that the detective was enjoying a spell of deepest perplexity. "'It must be that the fellow's mind wandered,' mused Dyke Darrell. "'Of course I cannot accept as evidence the ragged, half-conscious utterances of a dying man. He spoke of Nick and the boy. There may be something in that.' The boy, who could that be but Martin Skidway? I've suspected him. He is capable of anything in the criminal line. It may be well for me to go to Chicago and visit Martin's Aunt Scarlet. How that woman hates me, simply because I was the means of breaking up a gang of spurious money-makers, of whom old Dan Scarlet was the chief. Well, the ways of the world are curious enough. By the way, I haven't sent that line to Nell yet. The girl will feel worried if I don't write." Then, drawing several postals from his pocket, Dyke Darrell wrote a few lines on one with a pencil, and addressed it to Miss Nell Darrell, Woodburg. Just then Elliston entered. "'When does the next train pass, Harper?' "'In twenty minutes. Will you go on it to Chicago?' "'Not to Chicago. I shall stop half a hundred miles on this side, or more. I wish to do a little more investigating. Don't you accept what the dying Swart said is true?' "'Not wholly.' Would a dying man be likely to utter a falsehood? I can't say. What is your opinion? There was a peculiar look in the eyes of Dyke Darrell, as he put the question. I should think there could be no doubt on the subject. Indeed. Then you consider that the last name that fell from the lips of Sam Swart was that of the man who instigated the wicked crime on the Midnight Express? Certainly that is my opinion. Dyke Darrell drew out a cigar and lit it, his friend refusing to take one. I can't feel so sanguine as you seem to, Harper. Will you go on? I shall go to Chicago. You do not care to remain with me longer? Dyke Darrell regarded his friend closely through a cloud of smoke. You forget that I left urgent business to keep you company last night, answered Mr. Elliston, a tinge of rebuke in his voice. I do not. You have my hearty thanks for your disinterested kindness, Harper, returned Dyke Darrell. If the delay has cost you anything— "'See here, old chum, don't insult me,' cried Elliston, as the detective drew out a well-filled wallet. "'I am able and willing to pay my own bills, I hope.' 
Certainly, I meant no offense. It is time we were on the move, Dyke, if we do not wish to miss the up-train. Dyke Darrell realized the force of his friend's words, and at once made preparations for departure. A little later the two were on board the morning express, speeding northward. Dyke Darrell informed the conductor of the fate of Sam Swart, the outlaw, but did not intimate that the fellow was a member of the gang of train robbers, whose deed of blood had sent a shudder of horror and indignation throughout the nation. When the train halted at Black Hollow, the station at which the terrible crime of a few days previous had been discovered, Dyke Darrell arose to go. "'When shall I see you again, Dyke?' questioned Mr. Elliston. "'I am not sure. I shall be in Woodburg next week.' I will see you there, then. Very well. The detective left the train, and stood alone on the platform of the little station. There were not a dozen houses in sight, and it was not often that the express halted at this place. Here the daring deed of robbers had been discovered. It could not be far from here that the outlaws left the express car, doubtless springing off and escaping in the darkness as the train slowed up to the station. Not a soul in sight. Dyke Darrell entered the depot to see a man standing at the window who had been watching the moving train as it rushed away on its northern course. "'No public house here, sir,' said the man, who proved to be the railway agent, in answer to an inquiry from the detective. "'Then I must find someone who will keep me for a short time,' returned Dyke Darrell. "'I am looking for a location in which to open a gun-shop.' "'Guns would sell here, I reckon,' said Mr. Bragg. "'I guess maybe I can accommodate you with a stopping-place for a day or two. "'Thanks. I will pay you well.' "'I'm not a shark,' answered the agent. "'You see that brown house up yonder in the edge of that grove?' "'Yes.' "'That's my place. I can't go up just now, but you may tell my wife that I sent you, and it will be all right.' Dyke Darrell sauntered down past several dingy-looking dwellings until he came to the house of Mr. Bragg. It was really the most respectable dwelling in the place, which could not have been famous for its fine residences.' The aspect about was not calculated to prepossess one in favor of the country. Somehow it seemed to the detective that Black Hollow was half a century behind the age. Mrs. Bragg was a shy, ungainly female, and not at all communicative. Darrell occupied the remainder of the day in exploring the country in the vicinity. A creek crossed the railroad and entered a deep gulch, the sides of which were lined with a dense growth of bushes. An ill-defined path led down the steep side of the gulch, and was lost to sight in the dense growth at the bottom. Dyke Darrell followed this path, and soon found himself in a dense wood that seemed to cover a strip of bottomland. Moving on, the deep shadows soon encompassed him on every side. A solemn stillness seemed to pervade the place, and a feeling of loneliness came over the detective. What a splendid place for secreting plunder, or hiding from officers of the law! It was almost dark ere the detective turned to retrace his steps. The narrow path grew indistinct, and it was only with the utmost difficulty that Dyke Darrell kept his course. The snapping of a dry twig suddenly startled him. This sound was followed almost instantly by the whip-like crack of a rifle. A stinging sensation on the cheek, together with the whistle of a deadly bullet, warned Dyke Darrell of a narrow escape. End of chapter 10